Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Just like that, the final hour is here. I'll kick 360. Glad you're with us on this Friday edition, championship weekend edition, AFC, NFC matchups. We're going to preview that in depth coming up in about 20 minutes. Chad, the... You know, it's all the haters also that yeah, said we couldn't reach the final Let hour of the show this week. Let them know. I just want to say we're still here. We're not we're leaving. We're still here. And as Hutton said, we're not leaving. <laughs> At least for another hour. Then we'll be gone. Dak Prescott's not leaving in Dallas. Not with the contract that he has. And, of course, they, the Dallas franchise tagged him in 2020. And that was worth roughly $31 million. And they had offered him or tried to get him under contract at the time for $32 million annually on average. And he cashes in on that even after he, what, broke his ankle that same season and only played in five games the year they franchise tagged him. But now they're locked in. They're handcuffed to this deal. They could restructure it and free up some cap space. But all of the discussion, Chad, about the Dallas Cowboys, where they're headed, have they peaked? Are they going to get back to a conference championship game after losing to San Fran now two consecutive postseasons, most recently last week, where they're sent home in the divisional round? Dan Quinn's coming back as defensive coordinator. Kellen Moore, they're not definitive one way or the other on him as offensive coordinator. They're hoping he looks around is what it sounds like. So many questions for a team, Chad, that has not reached a conference championship game in front of 26 other NFL franchises, teams with more recent conference championship matchups. Uh, the, it's a lengthy list. And Dallas is sitting there with an owner who wants to win badly and hasn't done a bad job, by the way, of collecting talent as general manager. Let's also say that for, for Jerry Jones. Where do they go from here? Knowing that they can't really do much with Dak Prescott due to the contract other than kick the can down the road and extend him and free up some money in cap space now. You know, you see, you hear 26 teams and you see on this graphic what just what 26 teams yeah. looks like with the last time that the Cowboys, that have been to a conference championship since the last time the Cowboys did it. The Jets, the Cow Bears. Cowboys are in a fine spot, but also a tricky spot is the way I look at this because... Dak Prescott is a borderline top ten guy. We'll get to our, you know, we, we had mm -hmm. our top ten list earlier. Actually, he's right there. So he's right there in the mix of top ten. But he's not what anyone would describe as an elite guy in the NFL. He's a very good NFL quarterback, not elite, not necessarily clutch when given big opportunities against great NFL teams in the playoffs. And again, there's a select few that are like that. But the Cowboys overall, good running game. Mm -hmm. Emerging young receiving star in CeeDee Lamb. Really good defense. Micah Parsons is an absolute star on defense. So overall, when Jerry Jones says, I like our chances given a year now to prepare and get back in the spot, that Dak will come through better than he did in this game. Well, he's going to get on the postseason. 
He can do that. It's it's the team that's going to help him come through. But I don't know how, given the experience that we've seen and what's happened, and, and also with the injuries, mm-hmm. how you could truly just say, blind faith-wise, that this guy's going to get it done. You know, he's eventually going to get there and, and get it done for us in the postseason. You know, in, in here in the state of Tennessee, we talk about this with Rick Barnes in, in college basketball. Great coach, great guy, great developer of talent, has a lot of regular season success. March record is terrible. Once it gets to the tournament, he does not have a good record. He doesn't have a good record at Tennessee. So to say, man, Rick Barnes is going to get to a Final Four at Tennessee. I can't say that because they always find a way to either run into the wrong matchup or play awful at the worst time and not get it done. I feel the same way about the Dak Prescott quarterback Cowboys right now. So if you're Jerry Jones, you're really taking a leap of faith here to say, this guy's going to win us a Super Bowl it's going to happen. I understand that leaps of faith happen all the time in sports and that you have to take those. I don't know that there's a better route right now for the Cowboys. He's locked into them. They're locked into Dak Prescott. I'm just saying I haven't seen it. I don't have the evidence to say he's going to knock down that door eventually and he's going to hoist a Lombardi trophy. I, I can't say that right now given the track record. What he needs, so two things that come to mind. Number one, something that I've been trying to shout from the rooftops. Dallas needs to be a run-first offense. They have to go... They should go behind that offensive line and run the football first, and they don't do that. Dak Prescott throws way too many picks. This is number two. They need the Daniel Jones effect on Dak Prescott. Brian Dayball and the way he has toned down the turnovers for Daniel Jones has earned Daniel Jones a big payday with the New York Giants. A guy that turned it over 55 times in a single season was protecting the football in a crazy way while still throwing the football well in 2022, speaking of Daniel Jones. We have Dak who played in, what, 12 games this year? 13 games this year? And threw 16 or 17 picks and led the NFL in that category. I mean, it's just... He puts the ball in harm's way, and he's giving up possessions, even though they're still putting up 30-plus points a game. I get it. The offense is really good. So is their defense. But when it comes playoff time and Dak's turning it over, you're not winning those games. And it was the same issue with Josh Allen this year. They've got to rein him in, and I think the only way to do that is to just have a mindset organizationally that you're a run-first offense. And Dallas is okay with that. I mean, they should be. They've drafted Ezekiel Elliott in the past. We know what Emmett Smith meant to that team. And Tony Pollard, who broke an ankle and by and large has missed out on a big payday opportunity long term, um, get him back in the mix, get a young uh, rookie in there, and run the football well and allow Dak to just be who he is, which is a good but not great quarterback in the NFL. Well, we would think that you know a guy that's out there, Sean Payton, if he's devising an offense, would be able to do so in a way that gets Dak Prescott not throwing into harm's way as much and can cut down on the turnovers. Yeah. With the lack of commitment towards Kellen Moore, what are the Cowboys saying about his ability to devise an offense, to really harness in on the run game while eliminating the opportunities for big turnovers from Dak Prescott. I would say faith in Kellen Moore in doing that is not very high with Dallas. So if that's the case, who is the coordinator that can get a system, and maybe it is Kellen Moore, that can change a bit, that can get a system ready to where he's not 
throwing as many interceptions, not turning the ball over as much, or Hutton. The other possibility is it's just who Dak Prescott is. Sure. And and if you ask him to do too much, then um, if if the game calls for him to do more, he's going to turn the ball over more in those moments and not protect it. I just you knew when they had the final possession in San Fran, they weren't going to score. Yeah, you know that that's that's a problem. that's Dak Prescott. That's a problem. When he had the football with under a minute to play, they were not going to go down and score. Now the other problem with that a lot of people would say they weren't going to tie the game because Brett Maher was going to miss the extra point for the tie in fact Mike McCarthy said they would have gone for two in the win had they scored a touchdown uh, that would make Greg Abbott very happy the governor of Texas who tweeted out uh, about a week ago I swear I can kick as good as the Dallas Cowboys kicker um, we all felt that way based on the four missed extra points and Maher's kicking for someone else next season yeah, Greg Abbott, who's uh, in a wheelchair, uh, putting that out. Probably not a ringing endorsement for the kicker uh, when you are the leader of the state of Texas and Dallas Cowboys, obviously, not just the state's team, but America's team. Uh, not, a, not a ringing endorsement. Um, I thought it was funny. Oh, it's great. I mean, people people want to attack it. because I mean, every football fan was thinking this, even though yeah, it's not possible I, I, that we're making a kick like that. Look. You know, I'd say that if, for me. If you're on the opposite side politically, then you're going to attack. Yeah, it. it's one of those things that I, everyone I've seen attack it is on the opposite side politically, and just this is where you just kind of hold your breath for a second and think, is it funny or is it not? It's somewhat funny, given his situation, what he's saying, and, right. and making light of that, and making light of the kicker not being able to hit, hit an extra point, regardless of political side or affiliation. I think it would have been pretty humorous. Uh, from anyone to put that and, and sort of self-deprecating as well. Um, I don't know if it's as funny for Brett Maher, but certainly funny to me. Uh, you know, maybe one person doesn't find it funny, and it's Brett Maher, given his his problems. Um, that first one that was blocked <laughs> against the 49ers. I know. It was The reaction close. to that after missing four the game before that, I mean, it was one of those you could tell it was going to be shanked left where, where it was blocked regardless. Almost, the block almost saved him a little bit to not have to see how far off it was if it got past the line, right? <laughs> well, then at least you could say, well, it's blocked. I was going to, you know, it was more of a slice. I know it started left, but I was going to, I actually intentionally sliced it and it was going to cut back and into the goalpost, which we know is not the case. Good luck to him um, kicking for someone else and trying to make the roster uh, next year because it's not going to happen. What sucks for Dallas. him is he's always going to be the guy that did that in the playoffs. There's, uh, there's, uh, there's no coming back from that. He's been a good kicker, but the moment you get the yips, you're known for the yips. Chuck Knobloch is a great second mm -hmm. baseman. When I say Chuck Knobloch, you remember a guy who couldn't throw the ball to first for an a, a insane amount of time because he mentally couldn't do it. That's Rick Ankeel is another player with the yips. You, yes. you hear those names and you think, oh, there was something wrong with them and something went bad, right? They're not how good of players they were at any given point. Crazy uh, how the Cowboys bow out after playing so well uh, the week prior. Chad, we're headed towards an offseason where we could see massive contract extensions with certain teams. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, all eligible for massive paydays. Um, can certainly see it and reset the market at wide receiver with Justin Jefferson. And some of the other positions on defense, Bosa, in San Francisco. But the player that's trying to reset the perception of NFL contracts is Lamar Jackson. 
who is wanting Deshaun Watson treatment, meaning fully guaranteed money for a former MVP. He's representing himself, and he's dug in to Baltimore's negotiations, turning down, what, $131 million guaranteed this earlier this preseason, I believe. It was August, July. And he cut talks off as the season started. We know he didn't finish the season due to his knee issue. And now he goes into an offseason where Baltimore is saying publicly, 200% chance he's back. We look forward to continuing negotiations with Lamar. We want him involved in our offensive coordinator search and what we're going to do moving forward offensively with him in mind. But with Lamar Jackson in mind, if they end up trading him because they come to a point where Lamar Jackson doesn't want to be in Baltimore, and I, don't, I think he's content playing on the franchise tag, honestly. But if he wants that massive payday and Baltimore's not going to give it to him, Chad, I think we, you have to consider the teams that were willing to at least come close to what Cleveland gave Watson a year ago. Atlanta. New Orleans, Carolina, they were all in the mix for Deshaun Watson. In fact, it, at, at the time, it was New Orleans that everyone thought he was going to, and he had removed Cleveland Watson from that list. Atlanta was also mentioned, and then Cleveland came back over the top with the fully guaranteed $230-plus dollar deal. If you get the right offer... And Lamar's going to get a certain contract. Maybe it's not the fully guaranteed whatever Watson was going to get because, again, those teams didn't give what Cleveland gave to him. Chad, I think we have to at least consider the quarterback needy teams, all three of them are, and what Jackson could mean for each of those franchises. I don't think that any, I don't think he's going to get uh, Deshaun Watson's money. I just, I, I don't think a team is going to come across as desperate as the Browns were for him and give him that much. Now, is he going to get more than the 130-something that was the initial offer? from? Yeah, he's going to get more than that. But he's not going to get what the Deshaun Watson got. So I'll put it there first. Now, with those two teams, you're ta- or three teams you're talking about, Hutton, are any of those teams now willing to go to the number they went to for Deshaun Watson? I think the answer is yes. Now, that number's not what Cleveland was going to do, but it's going to be approaching that, and it's going to be higher than what Baltimore offered. Unless they weren't going to that number because of Watson's off-field issues, Jackson doesn't have that. I don't. I just. I don't think the league wants to replicate that. I. I again, I'm not saying there's collusion going on where they're oh, all they've the, all banded together and say the owners absolutely hated Haslam for that deal. They hate and it him had nothing for it, to do with I, Watson's off-field issues. I exactly, and I don't think that someone else wants to go down that road of being hated next for being the next one if they go bigger than Deshaun Watson because one can be a fluke. Two is a trend in this league. And if the next guy that comes up that's a big-time quarterback and young after Watson and all the Watson issues and he still got that money is Lamar Jackson and he gets the same money or better, we got a trend now. But now and now every owner knows they're going to have to pony up guaranteed contracts for every quarterback moving forward, and all it's going to do is just go – up more and more and more for every guy that comes up. But also consider now we're going into an offseason, though, where Burrow is eligible for an extension, um, Herbert, and Hurts. In regards to Burrow and Herbert... They're not in the best ownership situations yeah, to offer that based money. on cash on hand and the money you have to put aside for escrow when it comes to the guaranteed money. Um, that's an issue. 
how yeah. much how much of an issue will that be for Burrow and Herbert if they're wanting that type of deal? And why wouldn't they, given how they've played and what they mean to each of the franchises? The reports that the Chargers are not going to get rid of Staley because they can't afford it. Um, that, that's, that's a problem whenever you have a franchise QB that you're going to try to um, extend, but maybe you don't want to do it after year three when players are actually eligible for that first contract extension. And then Hurts, in a prove-it year, a chance to win a Super Bowl, he could be in a position where he's around the Lamar Jackson-type contract in Philadelphia. Yeah, I keep thinking about Burrow specifically and thinking if you're a Bengals fan, enjoy it now because this because their ownership, the lack of liquidity with the ownership group, you know, that that may stop him from being there for the majority of his career. Going back to Lamar Jackson though, mm-hmm. two of the options you threw out really really interest me more than the other one. It's Atlanta and Carolina. Atlanta with Arthur Smith devising an offense around Lamar Jackson, he can pull that off. And I think it would be beautiful to watch. And Lamar Jackson's a great player. Carolina, because of the desperation from David Tepper, yeah. the owner, to find a franchise quarterback. Lamar Jackson is that. Lamar Jackson is an immediate superstar in Charlotte or Atlanta if he's the quarterback. Now, he's a superstar in New Orleans also. I just don't like this coaching setup in New Orleans currently as much as I like the quarterback-hungry desperation, the, the, the starvation from David Tepper and Arthur Smith as his head coach, a great offensive mind in Atlanta. I, I really like those two landing spots possibly for Lamar and, Jackson. And just knowing that Atlanta was really dug in on Watson. Yes. And that the type, the style that it would take offensively, a run-heavy type offense, that's Arthur Smith. That's what they want to do in Atlanta anyway. It makes to me the tie there is really good in terms of fit. He fits well in Baltimore, too, and they have structured their roster around Lamar Jackson, and they've said they're not moving away from him. But we haven't heard from Lamar Jackson on that. Uh, last we heard, he was tweeting out his injury issues, and he wasn't in with the team in Cincinnati for that final game uh, with, with the Bengals in, in the postseason even though his players have got his back. They, the players want him back in the locker room. They, they know they can win with him. They've seen it before. Is it going to be in Lamar Jackson's best interest based on the contract he's demanding? That's all I'm asking. And if it's not, who are the teams that will pony up? Atlanta, to me, would be at the top of the list. Coming up, we dive into the matchups for the conference championship games. We'll preview in depth. We'll take a deep dive for San Francisco Philly and for Kansas City and Cincinnati. And we will also give thoughts on some college football headlines. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton Withrow with you. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. 
You preview both NFL games at outkick.com right now. Armando Salguero's got you covered there. He is headed to Kansas City for the matchup between the Chiefs and the Bengals. Full coverage there on both games. Again, at outkick.com. San Francisco Philly kicks things off on Fox at 3 o'clock Eastern. And then at 6.30, Kansas City and Cincinnati. And Chad, let's dive in with big things on each NFL matchup for this weekend. And let's start with the AFC. And we'll start with the matchup at quarterback between these two. Look, they've had a lot of success, Cincinnati has, um, against Kansas City. KC, though, appearing in their fifth straight AFC Championship game, making them only the fourth team to appear in three or more consecutive AFC title games. The Patriots did this, the Bills did this, and the Raiders back in the 70s, and now Kansas City. They've been dominant, and it's because of Patrick Mahomes. Has every, anyone, are they the first to go five straight? Or those others no, also the went the Patriots five. did it from 2011 okay, to 2018. Okay, so they went five straight also. They I wonder if anyone straight. has hosted five straight the way Kansas City has. That, that to me, makes it, it – yeah. that stat's already impressive. The fact they've been at home for all five of those AFC Championship games, remarkable. The site hasn't mattered for Cincinnati recently. 27-24 was the win earlier this season back in Week 13. And the two teams have played three times since the start of the 2021 season. And since he's won each game by three points in every matchup, I can't wait for this game. It's going to be great. It's uh, it's it's the one. By the way, uh, just earlier today, Patrick Mahomes' trainer yeah. put out a tweet and said, "Here's the latest update on Patrick's uh, ankle X-ray." Uh-huh. And it's just the ankle, and it's got the dog inside the ankle. You know, oh. it's got the dog and the heart. Yeah. On uh, certain people with Mahomes' hair. <laughs> on top of the pit bull inside the ankle. I thought that was pretty clever by him. It's remarkable how mobile he looks at practice. Um, here's the thing, though. When Mahomes was healthy against Cincy this year, he was 16 for 27. He threw a touchdown pass, 223 total yards. That was it. It's the fewest completions of the season for Patrick Mahomes. And it came in week 10 when they faced this Cincinnati defense. Joe Burrow, meanwhile, the Bengals have won as many playoff games in the last 13 months as the first 52 years of the franchise's existence with number nine at quarterback. With what Lou Anarumo has done a year ago against KC, yeah. the last few times they played KC, but last week against Buffalo defensively, I'm just shocked that he's not getting more play for a head coaching job. I think he had one interview Maybe. And John McClain brought that up with us yeah. that what an advantage for Zach Taylor that neither one of his, his offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, they don't appear to be going anywhere. It's great news for Cincinnati. Burrow continues to ascend. He, at, he's 26 years old. He became the first quarterback selected number one overall to win five playoff games prior to turning 27. He joined Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger as the only QBs to win five playoff games within their first three seasons in the NFL, which it's is crazy company. to think about. It's good company when you think about great starts to a career. That's uh, that's also incredible. Full career is Travis Kelsey. Player, to me, snubbed as one of the finalists for Offensive Player of the Year. I get it. If quarterback is going to be MVP. I wouldn't vote quarterback for Offensive Player of the Year. Justin Jefferson's the only non-quarterback that's listed there. Kelsey should be in the mix. 
Last week, he became the only player to reach 10 catches and two touchdowns in the first half of a postseason game three times. He's done it three times in his career. No other player has done it more than one time. And at the tight end position, he's the very best year in, year out. George Kittle is right there. But Kelsey is as consistent as they come, and it's for as much credit as we give Mahomes without Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey deserves much more credit for keeping this offense churning. Uh, and being a player that is nearly a, a guy you can't defend since he's done okay against him. But by and large, he gets his, regardless of what you're trying to do in the matchup. Story up right now at Outkick.com where our Armando Salguero spoke with Rob Gronkowski about the tight end position and asked to name the best tight end currently in the NFL. No surprise, he went with Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. On the defensive front for KC, Chris Jones has to go to work on that interior offensive line, and he can. He likely will. 79 pass rush wins in the regular season. 26 more than any other defensive tackle in the NFL. That's why he's a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. Not going to win it. That's going to Nick Bosa. But Chris Jones, um, an underrated piece when you start rattling off all the individuals that make KC as successful as they are. Chad, it's been 20 years since the AFC Championship game did not feature at least one of the following quarterbacks. 20 years. And we're looking at a graphic for the last 10 AFC Championship matchups to coincide with this. 20 years of Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, or Peyton Manning. That's it. At least one of those four has represented one of the two teams playing for the AFC title each of the last 20 years. What an incredible run. That's one thing for 10 years. If you could say, you know, two or three guys represents for a decade. Two decades when you're looking at those players. That's really cool. Brady appeared in 12 AFC championships. Mahomes, Manning, and Roethlisberger have now appeared in four. The last time a game did not feature any of those four quarterbacks. The 2002 AFC title, which of course was played in 2003. Tennessee and Oakland. That was your matchup. Rich Gannon versus Steve McNair in that game. Gotta go back. Gotta go back away. That was Rich Gannon, who's now on television. Steve McNair, rest in peace, no longer with us. That was the last time one of those guys didn't play. Wow. How do you feel about this game? I think Cincinnati wins. I I, I, I said it when it was 14 to nothing watching Cincinnati take apart Buffalo early in that game. I, I just it's almost like the Stetson Bennett phenomenon with me with Joe Burrow. I'm not betting against this guy again when it yeah. comes to these moments. I know they lost the Super Bowl a year ago to L.A., but... They were um, down, what, 17 in the title game last year? Yes. And came back to win. So, uh, look, I, I placed a futures bet on Cincinnati winning the Super Bowl. I think Cincinnati goes in there and, and, and they're going to win a fourth straight against the Chiefs. Now, if Mahomes was 100%, I may lean differently in this game, but once he went down against Jacksonville with that injury... Seeing the injury, we can speculate about percentages that he's he's going to play, but percentage he'll play at. I just don't think there's any way he's not going to be hobbled to some extent in this game. So, with that being the case, give me Burrow, give me Cincinnati to go to a second straight Super Bowl. Well, and the other thing, too, is I, the percentage of where his ankle is to start the game versus where he is going into the second quarter. You know, the weight of one of those defensive players 
and that playing a factor in hobbling him again. Yeah. Can they keep him clean? Casey's offensive line is certainly capable of it. But to me, the unknown of what that first hit, that first tackle, the first time that you have one of the players, uh, Trey Hendrickson, for example, falling on him and putting the weight of him on Mahomes, how's the ankle going to hold up? A, know- a lot of it is, you know, plant foot, all this. I get it. And he's running, he's running well at practice. But in the full contact first quarter, how quickly can the Bengals get to him and affect him in a way where not just get him on the move and out of the pocket, but actually a couple hits that can add some wear and tear more quickly than the average game for Mahomes because he's already below 100% on his feet. And you know Cincinnati's going to test that ankle. Yes. It's not going to be just a full concerted effort to do something dirty, but they are going to put pressure on the body that's going to make it tough for him to withstand hits and getting drugged down on that ankle, and it's going to happen early in this game. And you're right, Hutton. How does he respond to that physically once he takes that first big hit or has a full defensive lineman on his back when he goes to the ground? Let's head to Philadelphia. First of the two matchups – And this kicks off 3 o'clock Eastern on Fox. The Eagles and 49ers. Philadelphia's outstanding offense, overall team, against the Niners' defense. Mentioned earlier in the show, the Niners, they've allowed just 35 points in two games so far in this postseason. The Eagles, on their offensive line, they're going uh, against Bosa and a very talented front, good at each level. And Jalen Hurts, he's handled the pressure well all season, Chad. But we haven't seen this matchup. We have seen Cincy and KC a lot. We have not seen Philadelphia and San Francisco to this level. And for as much as it's it's about Brock Purdy, I can't wait to see how Hurts rises uh, to the occasion. Or is this like the Indianapolis game? where it's a bit sloppy and it's way too close at the very end of the game where they won, they beat the Colts, but Hertz wasn't really at the peak performing level that we've seen from the Philly captain. This one to me, as great of a story as Brock Purdy has been, and he's been a terrific story, feels like a coronation of NFC champ Philadelphia Eagles, who's been the best team start to finish. Jalen Hurts, when he's been healthy outside of those two yep. games, has been outstanding. And I think the home crowd in this one, this is this is all Philly in this game. It's not a blowout, but I, Philly's going to win this game against San Francisco, as great as the 49ers have been this year. Philly's offense is just too much. The different ways they can beat you, and they can stress a defense. And, I, you know, as good as San Fran's defense is, they're the best. Philadelphia's defense, uh, Hassan Reddick has the pass rush win rate of uh, they're actually top in the league 17 and a half sacks for Reddick that includes the postseason and he's facing not Trent Williams in this game but Mike McGlinchey so keep an eye on Reddick who has been overlooked as one of the top defensive players in the NFL and maybe it's because they have three other players aside from Hassan Reddick that are in double digits for sack numbers on the season outstanding in Philadelphia just like it is in San Fran. I just really think, Hutton, we're going to get a Philly-Cincy Super Bowl, and it is going to be the best team Mm -hmm. in Philly versus the best quarterback currently in the NFL in Joe Burrow. 
That's going to be the storyline in Arizona, getting ready for that Super Bowl. It's going to be a fun weekend. we got a fun Sunday to get there first. Well, so the Eagles, defensively, after the pass rush, they've got James Bradbury and Darius Slay at corner. I'm curious about the matchup there because Sam Fran really doesn't even have to throw their direction because they don't, with Purdy, the, the leading receivers are George Kittle, uh, they have Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, and a lot of that, that's not only outside. So the top corners, if they can pass block, the top corners are effectively, I won't say taken out of the game, but they're not the true factor that they would play on a, a weekly basis because most of those throws are going out of the backfield, short intermediate routes in the slot, or down the middle to Kittle. So how do they defend those three using their top corners who have been excellent, but they don't have to defend on the outside nearly as much as a, an average week? If I'm looking at an X-Factor player in this game that no one's talking about this week, it's Juwan Jennings for the 49ers. Oh, yeah. Because the Eagles, with their defensive backs, they're going to have a very good plan for the top guys for the 49ers. Juwan Jennings is not one of the top guys for the 49ers, but he is capable of making huge plays. I feel like he's going to have a couple big plays in this game to keep the 49ers alive in this one. And the storyline of Brock Purdy, he could be the first rookie to lead his team to a Super Bowl. A third-string quarterback, period, has never led the team and then started a Super Bowl game in the same season. They have certainly seen third-string quarterbacks play in a regular season only to have the first or second-string guy back for the Super Bowl. But what a storyline for Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft. He became the fifth rookie QB in NFL history to both start and win a divisional playoff matchup. Mark Sanchez, Joe Flacco, Big Ben, and Sean King. That's the list that Purdy joins. The very uh, crazy list of names. But Purdy has as many playoff wins in his career now as Dak Prescott. Oh my gosh. Take that into consideration. That's, that's an insane stat. And with most guys, if you got a third-string rookie quarterback and I keep waiting for the dam to break yeah. and for them to be terrible, I don't feel that way about Purdy. I don't think he's going to blow the game for San Francisco. Now, he may not be good enough to be. And he Philly. wasn't great last week. No, he but wasn't again, great, he but he didn't do anything he, to lose yeah, it for him. Yeah, he doesn't turn it over. With a player of, of that ilk, last pick of the draft, third-rounder rookie, usually I'd be saying, well, they're going to have a terrible game. Yeah. In a big moment, it's going to cost them. I, I just don't feel that way about Purdy. I thought that way about Nick Foles back in 2018. That at some point that was going to cost the Eagles and he was going to have a bad game and throw a bunch of picks and, and it would get them beat. Guess what? It did not. They won the Super Bowl that year in Minneapolis. Maybe that's the same fate for the 49ers and Purdy. Although I don't think they're getting out of Philly. Here's the last 10 years, by the way, of the NFC quarterback matchups in the, the championship game. Uh, much more uh, variation of guys. We've seen Aaron Rodgers play in here a couple times. Of course, uh, you've got Jimmy G playing recently, but it's not nearly as uh, dominating with a list of four like we saw in the AFC. How about Kaepernick versus Russell Wilson back in 2014? Uh, <laughs> how about Case Keenum versus Nick Foles in 2018? <laughs> Talking about me waiting for Foles to self-destruct. I don't remember what Case Keenum did in that game. Maybe he ended up self-destructing, but uh, that would definitely be the least star-studded conference championship game quarterback matchup that I could ever fathom even happening.
And then we just try to put that game out of our memories that it ever happened. That's that's one that I, I immediately jumped out to me. What do you think AJ Brown's going to do Sunday? I think he's going to have a big game. <laughs> I do too. It was odd that the, the guy uh, shows up in big moments. Well, he was like upset, you know, late in the game in the blowout. <laughs> and I'm thinking, are you looking at the scoreboard? Like you guys just easily rolled to a division divisional playoff win. Um, I, with some people, I think, oh, you know, a little bit of animosity may not be a good thing going into the next game with your team. Not with AJ Brown. I think it's going to propel him to play great in this conference championship. Chad, there's your. One big thing on every NFL game. In this case, many things on the championship matchups for Sunday. I'm taking Cincinnati and San Francisco. That was my pick from the start of the playoffs. I'm sticking with it. I think San Francisco's defense, you can count on it. And I think that shows with how they're going to use the the pass game as an extension of the run with McCaffrey and with Debo Samuel. And I think George Kittle... Again, he's just as impactful as Travis Kelsey, and I think it shows on Sunday. I'm going to go Cincy versus Philly, uh, that Cincy and Philly get it done in this one. I'm really interested in watching atmospheres in both these places. Strange Mm -hmm. to think, but is there a bit of a come down when you host five straight AFC championship games? Where it's not as uh, as loud in Arrowhead, I don't think that'll be the case. I don't think that's possible, especially with the whole Burrowhead thing. Instead of Arrowhead and the trash talk with Cincy, yeah. so they'll be ready. But Philly's going to be a madhouse on Sunday. And there was a 49ers player that was, uh, I forgot who it was, one of their starters on defense, saying that it's not nearly as loud. No, they're saying they're, the, the San Francisco fan base was as loud as Philly, which is ridiculous. You know, I understand. It's like, a, again, hyping up your own crowd. But why do that before you're right before you're about yeah. to play a game on the road? Well, you can wait after, but also like, and the, you could give your home crowd some some you know credence Stadium, by saying though, it's just as loud. But Levi Stadium is a it's not a cavern, but they have this level where it's nothing but suites that are closed off. Meanwhile, in Philly, it's vastly different with the noise level. The fans can be just as loud in San Fran, and you can't hear them as well because of how the state. The link is going to be on fire. San Francisco has a level that's all sweets, and Philly has a level that's all drunks. Yep. That's the difference between those. Now, the people in the suite are drunk off <laughs> wine and cheese uh, from Napa <laughs> in San Francisco, and um, you know the people in, in Philly are drunk off rolling rocks, and they're actually outdoors in the elements. That's a big difference in terms of atmosphere between the two stadiums. Yeah, Debo also said that no stadium is as loud as ours, which well, is, again, just, that's not... Just wait. That's not true, Debo. My advice if I'm a coach is not that that's going to be the deciding factor in the game, but if you want to compare atmospheres, how about wait until you play the NFC Championship game in Philly and then come back, and if you want to say, to, to pat your own fan base on the back, <laughs> if you want to come back and say, every bit is loud in San Fran or Santa Clara where they play now, fine. I'm okay with that. Just wait. The comparison leading up to the game, well, you haven't played in an NFC championship game in Philly, so you don't know what that's like yet. Let's wait for the comparisons. I have a feeling the comparisons will be very favorable for Philly in terms of atmosphere. But in recent years, the home field advantage is basically a 50-50 split between the home team and the road team. And I'm talking regular season, all of it. It's not nearly as impactful and... I think that's uh, a sign of the domination that we've seen from certain quarterbacks in both conferences, uh, where the NFC is extremely top-heavy, 
especially with Brady and Rodgers, and now Jalen Hurts. And then on the opposite side, it's been all Mahomes. And if it's not Mahomes, it's Burrow going on the road and winning at Arrowhead. Coming up, the big storyline that we're going to be discussing on Monday is what? We'll give our answers to that. Plus, is $600 enough for a prize when it comes to hitting four shots at a, a basketball game as far as the competition is concerned, especially whenever you're paying $9 million uh, for your football coach on average. We'll detail that next when I'll kick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Outkick 360, wrapping up what's been a, a fun week and what's going to be a great championship weekend in the NFL. Chad, uh, we'll give our prediction on the top storyline on Monday uh, in just a few minutes. What about the, uh, so there was a guy who hit a layup, a free throw, three-point shot, and a half-court shot at Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville. And the prize was $600? Oh, not just, uh, $600 would have been pretty cool. Not as no, cool as it should have been. That's way low either way. But uh, yeah, okay. Let it, me let the, me rephrase. The gimmick, though, is... Let me rephrase. $600 would have been better than a $600 gift card to the Vol Shop. That's what the guy got for doing this. By the way, old boy has played some hoops. Well, this was the his fourth day. shot he made. That was, yeah. They, he had a certain amount of time. He lay up, free throw, three-pointer, then gets to half court. Had multiple cracks at it with the time that he had because he hit the others so quick. And buries a half-court shot. I was watching in his exit from the court. I mean, this was like Leo style. He was chatting <laughs> up girls on his way through. Uh, the, the announcers were joking. This guy just got $600, got a date on his way out of the arena also. Just every cute girl that was in the student section, he was stopping to chat up, high-fiving people. Uh, incredible night for him, other than the fact that only a $600 gift card to the Vol Shop. I know Tennessee's paying a lot of money to Josh Heupel and Danny White. you got to do better than that. Yes. You got to do better than that. I remember at Belmont back in the day here in Nashville, they'd give away uh, tuition for the entire semester if someone could hit a half court shot at one of the basketball games. They weren't scared that someone was going to do uh, that at Belmont. Apparently. Tuition at Belmont is slightly <laughs> higher than six hundred dollars to the vault shop. I just want to make sure people understand that's a different prize altogether. Yeah, I mean you've got uh, the stakes. The prize needs to be hyped up a bit here. Come on, Tennessee. Give them a car. Give them something. 600 bucks because it's uh, you would think I mean, that all year no one's going to do it so it's a prize that's going to be yeah. almost unattainable the kid did it and it's 600 you just got to get something bigger out there that you know if he does this it's going to be that knowing that it's probably not going to happen for five years maybe once out of every five seasons you're going to have someone actually pull this off chad uh speak we'll go to a story we hit yesterday and tie it in with hoops um unfortunately our our uber eats guy uh, at Duquesne has ruined oh. this for everyone now at Duquesne. The quote from the uh, from the school, the story's at Outkick. 
While the incident may have seemed funny at the time and no harm was done, we are mindful that incidents like this can put players and officials at risk. That was a statement from the school on Thursday. This is very predictable. We said the school, my idea was lean into it. You should have this as the, the gimmick where you have your delivery of the game and it's, it's your Uber Eats delivery to some lucky fan in attendance and you get to sell that sponsorship. Instead, um, you know, this, whoever the security was, maybe there was none. Um, they're gonna I don't think there was. They're going to add more security now at Duquesne and, um, you know, no more Uber Eats deliveries, apparently, well, as pranks. Here's what we found out about Duquesne. Back in the day, in my high school gym, you could go to one door in the back uh, entrance, and you could pull it hard enough, and it would open at <laughs> yeah. all hours. Yes. And we'd go in at 1 a.m. and play pickup <laughs> games, turn on the lights, and we'd open that door. I feel like Duquesne's arena has a similar door. And this guy just went to the back of it, pulled it hard twice, walked right in without a ticket with a bag of McDonald's, and then walked across the court the way he did. And the way those students were filming it, they're probably starting to – they're trying to start an internet phase, a viral sensation, yeah. where others will do the same thing. That's my guess. So we may not have seen the last. It's not, it may not happen at Duquesne, but it may happen somewhere else. Chad, the storyline we are talking about on Monday – I think we're headed to a Super Bowl that will feature Cincinnati and San Francisco. I know you say Cincy and Philly, but to me, San Fran's defense ends this magical run for the Philadelphia offense. That's Story, the storyline. Storyline is going to be Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in the NFL after his performance in Arrowhead. We already said a he second is. second straight Super He's Bowl. He's already there. There. We yeah. know he He's is. He's at number one for Everyone us. else is going to get smart and learn what we already know. That's what the storyline is going to be come Monday. Either way, enjoy championship week. It's going to be a blast. Both of these games and matchups uh, should be phenomenal. And it's on the road to Glendale for the Super Bowl. Have a great weekend. We are back at it on Monday. Outkick 360 kicks off at 3 o'clock Eastern. Hope you'll join us each and every weekday right here on the Outkick Network.